0: Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers.
1: Welcome to MoForecast, a podcast series where experts from Morrison and Forrester make predictions about enforcement and policy trends in the Biden administration. Today, we'll be discussing the United Kingdom. I'm your host, James Kukios co-head of MoFo's Securities Litigation Enforcement and White Collar Practice Group. I'm pleased to be speaking today with Gareth Reese and Haley Ichilchik. Gareth has practiced criminal and regulatory law in London for 40 years and is now specializing in advising corporates and individuals on fraud, bribery, sanctions, money laundering, and other white collar criminal topics. Haley represents financial institutions, corporate clients, and senior individuals in sensitive criminal and regulatory litigations and investigations. Haley was previously an investigative lawyer at the Serious Fraud Office and is awarded Prosecution Team of the Year by the Attorney General. So, Gareth and Haley, thanks very much for joining me today. I want to talk a little bit about the enforcement relationship between the United States and the UK under the Trump administration. What were the trends that you saw during the past four years?
0: Well, James, first of all, thanks for the invitation to join Mo Forecast. Let me make a couple of general points first. It's really hard to overestimate the impact of Brexit during the whole period of the Trump administration. It really dominated every day of our lives. And in this respect, it disrupted and it slowed down the ability of our parliament to find time to introduce new laws and procedures to really oil the wheels of our criminal and regulatory enforcement process. Let me give you just one example. And that is that there have been plans for a very long time to overhaul our economic crime laws, including making it easier to prosecute corporates for offences. But this just hasn't happened because of the logjam created by Brexit. The other thing I think it's important to note is that the day-to-day liaison between the UK and the US really isn't governed by the politics of the government either side of the Atlantic. We have deep ties between the DOJ and the SEC and various government agencies in London, which are in constant contact and they have open lines of communication. I recall as a London regulator, I had strong and direct contact with my counterparts in DC and all of this was built on a common language and a common law legal system, which really makes collaboration so much easier.
2: James, I think one thing to note during the period of the Trump administration that was a very new development for the UK was deferred prosecution agreements. They were introduced here in 2013. We saw our first one at the end of 2015. And we then went on to see a number of other successful DPAs against corporates for offences of bribery and also for fraud. Now, DPAs have been around a lot longer in the U.S. than they have been in the U.K., and in fact, the U.K.'s Deferred Prosecution Agreement system is based on the U.S.'s model. I think what we've seen with these new DPAs has been a great step forward in holding corporates accountable for criminal offences. Although obviously not with criminal records. But what we haven't seen is an increase in accountability for those individuals that gave rise to the wrongdoing that the corporates recognised when they entered into these DPAs. I think the future of DPAs in the US, in the UK, are something that's currently being debated, mainly because of this imbalance between corporate enforcement, enforcement against individuals, but certainly during the period of the Trump administration, I think they were hailed as a great success in the UK. What we also saw was new leadership at the serious fraud office. Lisa Rosowski took the position of director of the SFO in 2017, and seems ironically for somebody with a US background to have actually brought a much less multi-jurisdictional approach to the SFO's investigations. Now, obviously, this could just be a reflection of the matters and the issues which have presented themselves to the SFO as being ripe for investigation. But there has been a marked decrease, I would say, in cross-jurisdictional investigations being announced by the Serious Fraud Office in just over the past four years.
1: It's interesting. We often think of things at the high level, political level, but you both raise very good points that much of the cooperation on a day-to-day basis is more at the staff level, which can vary depending on who's manning that office at the time. So very interesting observations there. Let's turn now to the present. Gareth and Haley, what are your predictions on how the enforcement relationship between the U.S. and the U.K. might change under the Biden administration and other developments that are going on in the U.K. right now?
0: Well, I've got to come back to Brexit, I'm afraid, because the new Biden administration took office just days after we finally left the EU. So much of our law in criminal justice and regulation had come directly from the EU. So it's no surprise that there's been an immediate impact since January. The best example of this is in the UK's new independent stance on national security. Whereas before we've been part of the EU for sanctions, We now have a completely new regime with many similarities with the EU for now, but we expect that to diverge as time passes. And so far, we're seeing much closer links to the US on sanctions and other national security issues, such as our new National Security and Investment Act, which is our own CFIUS and also the government's recent intention to introduce a foreign influence registration scheme to mirror the US's Foreign Agent Registration Act. So the message seems to be there could be even closer links than before.
2: I would add also, touching on the effects of Brexit, that the UK lost a lot of its powers of cooperation with EU law enforcement. However, the UK seems to be fairly sanguine about this. So, for example, when we were part of the EU, there was fast, quick ways for UK law enforcement to obtain evidence from the EU, to extradite suspects from the EU. This has now all fallen away, and we're yet to see how the system will work. There is some new regulation law in place to facilitate the exchange of information, But really, we fall back to the old regime, which has been criticised for being cumbersome and inefficient. So time will tell about the impact of the loss of these EU powers on law enforcement, especially in the white-collar field in the UK. But at the same time, we're also seeing alignment between the UK and the US on evidence collection and exchange. So, for example... The overseas production orders that have been introduced in the UK will make it much easier for authorities over here to directly obtain certain evidence from certain companies in the US without having to go through a formal recognition process through the US courts. Another area worth watching is money laundering. The City of London has been criticised in various stages for being a place where a lot of dirty money washes through. We've recently seen the FCA use its criminal powers for the first time in a money laundering case against a large UK bank. And when you keep in mind recent reforms in this area in the US, we might see more alignment between the UK and the US in the money laundering arena and possibly in enforcement actions.
1: Gareth, returning to your sanctions point, when we talked to Patrick Spade from our Berlin office about sanctions, he actually thought that there might be somewhat of a divergence between the US and the EU when it comes to sanctions because of the different views for countries like Germany towards Russia, Iran and China. But it sounds to me like you think there may be greater alignment in sanctions between the US and the UK. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: This is political. The UK wants to be seen to get close to the US because it needs a trade agreement and also because the US is not the EU. The British government does not want to be seen to be close to the EU because of the traumatic way in which we had to go through the divorce. So a lot of this is the perception that we see. I'm working on a matter at the moment, and I know that there's some contact on the ground between the UK and the EU. But for the public perception, the UK government wants to be seen to be close to the US for various reasons.
1: Very interesting. Well, let's now turn to the future. We've talked about the Trump administration and what we've seen so far in the Biden administration. What can companies do to prepare for UK enforcement going forward?
0: There's one topic that has become dominant in the world of corporate compliance and enforcement, and that's ESG, environmental, social, and governance, which is important because it's all about regulatory compliance to support sustainability And the pressure from the market to achieve the same goal, that is the problem of climate change. It also, of course, includes the responsibility to protect and respect human rights in the global supply chain. And again, just like when I've talked about sanctions, the UK is taking an independent approach to this separate to the eu and is in consultation now for its own independent plans to impose new regulatory requirements on companies in the uk to have policies and to make disclosures about the impact of their business on sustainability closely aligned with that are further plans that the government has also announced to increase and improve the requirements, just general requirements, for corporate boards and directors to make disclosures with new strict enforcement powers for regulators if companies fail to comply. This is not quite Sarbanes-Oxley, but it's certainly heading in that direction.
1: Very interesting, Garrett. Your point about the ESG, that's been a constant theme through several of our Mo forecast episodes from the national security to the securities in the U.S. to EU. Climate change seems to be a constant theme across jurisdictions and across subject areas. So it's very interesting that you raise that. Haley, you talked a little bit about that you expect there to be more cooperation in the money laundering sphere. What should companies do to prepare for that?
2: I think companies should continue to do what they are already doing, making sure you have the proper policies and frameworks in place, making sure that they're working in practice, making sure that if something does go wrong, you address it appropriately. I think the thing to watch for in the money laundering sphere, especially in the UK, is that it's not just something that the financial services sector needs to be concerned about. I think we expect to see a lot more focus on trade-based money laundering, So companies across the board should be paying attention to this area. I also think it's worth mentioning, because we haven't yet, that post-pandemic, companies should be prepared for a level of scrutiny of corporate conduct that hasn't been possible during the pandemic, particularly in relation to a lot of government funds that have been flowing through the economy to support businesses throughout the pandemic. There will be lots of questions and a focus on any corporates, whether intentionally or otherwise, who may have misused such funds.
1: Well, thanks very much, Gareth and Haley. This is the end of our Mo Forecast episode on expectations for the United Kingdom during the upcoming Biden administration. Once again, I'm your host, James Kukios, speaking with Gareth Reese and Haley Itchilchik. If you liked today's episode, please visit the MoFo website and join us for additional installments of the Mo Forecast series, covering predictions for enforcement and policy trends in other areas of the law. Thanks for joining us.
0: Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com, slash podcasts.